Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. Today, we have a very special guest, Elizabeth Beisel. Many of you are familiar with that name. She's a three-time Olympian, and she was the 2016 U.S. swim team captain. Uh, here's what's really interesting. Elizabeth started swimming when she was age five, and she became an Olympian at just age 15. And of course, now she's an Olympic medalist and a world champion. And just recently, she was selected to serve on the USA Swimming Foundation Board of Directors. Today, it's going to be just fun to hear her story about how she became an Olympian and what drove her and the passion and the energy that she carries in, not just to uh, be an Olympian, but all of her work, including the nonprofit service that she gives as a board member of the USA Swimming Foundation. She's also going to talk about the foundation's mission, which is to save lives. All of us as nonprofit leaders have a mission, right? And and it's easy for us to kind of get distracted sometimes or get off of mission. And I, I ask her the question, with this mission of on the one hand saving lives, on the other building champions, my guess is that could be kind of a competing mission statement, if you will. In other words, you may focus more on saving lives than on building champions or vice versa. So I ask her, how does she balance those two dual purposes of her mission? Thanks again for listening and and enjoy today's show. Elizabeth, it is great to have you on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, so tell us about your tell us a little bit about yourself. So for listeners, they'll love hearing just a bit about. I love the fact you started at age five, and and then of course went on to be one of the youngest Olympians at age fifteen. So tell us about your story a bit. How did you get started? Um, so I grew up in Rhode Island, the ocean state. Um, so naturally my parents wanted me to be water safe because I was always going to be around the ocean. Um, and I was a super hyper energetic kid. And so swimming was one of the sports that they could just throw me in the water and I would expel all the energy I had. And, um, I ended up falling in love with the water and joined the local swim team. Um, and pretty much since then it's been history. Uh, I've been swimming since I was five, so almost 20 years now. And, like like you said, I've been to the Olympics three times. I have two Olympic medals. I've won world championships. Um, you know, I've been able to be a, an Olympic team captain this past summer in 2016 alongside Michael Phelps and all these other big names. So it's it's been an amazing career. Um, and, and now it's awesome for me because I still am competing, but I can also work with the philanthropic side of USA Swimming. So it's it's been such a big part of my life. So for me to give back to the sport um, – it's huge for me. Who inspired you to get uh, involved with swimming in the first place? Sounds like your parents did. But beyond that, to go to that next level of really being a competitive swimmer, what um, prompted you to do that? Um, so, uh, like I said, I, I was just like in love with the water. And actually, diving was technically my first sport. Um, I learned how to swim at the YMCA, and I, I loved, like, diving in the water. And so my mom was like, all right, we'll, we'll put you in for diving lessons. Um, 
and I did diving, and I, I don't even think I lasted three weeks. I was so bad. I think like, my mom realized that it was just not going to work out, and during the diving practice, the swim team was also practicing, and my mom was pretty much like, all right, um, Elizabeth, you're not going to dive anymore. <laughs> you're going to join the swim team um, because this is not working out, and so um, I joined the swim team and immediately made my best friends, and friends were pretty much what what kept me going to practice, and then I got obviously faster and faster. And you know, when you when you keep improving, it gets to be fun. And so I just love being with friends. I love competing and being fast. Um, and so here I am today, almost two decades later. So it, it's been a while, but it's always been fun. Well, I think it's fascinating that you know you became an Olympian at such a young age. What, in your opinion, as you've looked back, what separated you? Like, there's a lot of people that are out there that are good swimmers and they were great in high school, maybe really good in college, but that Olympic level is a different level. What separated you from those good swimmers, but not that top level elite swimmers? I think, you know, obviously swimming is a very physically demanding sport. Um, we train hours and hours a day, but. When it comes down to it, when you're about to step on the blocks, it is all about your, about your mentality. Um, and I think I, that's something that I've been able to nail. Um, I know what I need to do. I know how I need to think. And, you know, when I first made my first team, I was 15, um, and I sort of went into it with that nothing-to-lose attitude. Um, I was only 15. I was almost guaranteed to have at least another Olympics in me. Um, so it was sort of like me – having nothing to lose and just wanting to prove myself to the world that, yeah, even though I am 15 years old racing these 25-year-olds, I can still keep up and I still want to keep up. Um, so I think I use, use my mentality and the way I, I think um, to my advantage, and I think that definitely helped. That's fascinating, and uh, people are going to enjoy hearing more about your story here. Now, this is a nonprofit podcast, and so we talk about nonprofit-related items, and you, of course, have been involved with the nonprofit sector, um, and we'll talk a bit about your role as the board of dire- on the board of directors. Talk about the, you know, what have you been involved with in terms of nonprofits, and why have you decided to invest some of your time to serve on this board? So this is the first nonprofit um, that I've, like, actually been on a board with, um, USA Swimming Foundation, and... And it made sense to me. Um, I was approached by Debbie Hesse, who's also one of the board of directors, um, a dear friend of mine. And she said, Elizabeth, you've been so amazing. You've been with USA Swimming since you were 12. Um, that's when 13 when I made my first national team. And, you know, I've, I've sort of, I've seen everything go on and I'm very familiar with the sport and the organization. Um, and it, and it just felt right. It's, it's an organization that's dedicated to changing lives and, helping the world become a better place and giving people that gift of life and giving that them giving that to them through swimming. Um, so for me, it was a no-brainer, and I, I just love to be a part of something that's bigger than myself, whether it's an Olympic team or being a part of this foundation. Um, just giving back really, at the end of the day, makes you feel good and makes you feel like you made a difference. I love that heart. And, you know, I know the USA Swimming Foundation has a goal to uh, find, get, or give a swim lesson. It's really driven towards really training kids the joy of swimming and the importance of getting out there and getting exercise and all that comes with that, the leadership skills you learn. So for you personally, why is it so important for you to get kids involved with swimming? Well, I mean, aside from me being a swimmer and just loving the sport, there are 10 kids every single day in the United States that drown. They die from drowning, and that's a staggering statistic. I, if every child were able to know how to swim, 
their likelihood of drowning would be decreased by 88%. So these are huge numbers that we can easily provide for them. We have enough funding. We can provide local swim clubs with grants um, that can get these kids that maybe won't, wouldn't be able to afford swimming lessons. We can get them in the water because we're giving them grants. Um, and, and it's a lifelong skill that you want to have the rest of your life. And so to be able to give these kids the gift of life and the gift of safety is something that it can just go tenfold, um, and it's sort of a domino effect. We just want I, – if I could have it my way, I would have every single child in the water learning how to swim as, as soon as their parents were comfortable getting them in the pool. When I like what you're saying, too, that you're really trying to make it affordable for all kids. So how specifically does the USA Swimming Foundation seek to make it more affordable for kids of all income levels to participate in swimming or even competitive swimming? Um, so – what the foundation does and USA Swimming, we, we give grants to local Make a Splash partners. So Make a Splash is um, the arm of our philanthropic foundation that um, we give swim lessons. And so we provide grants to local clubs who have qualified to teach Learn to Swim programs. And, you know, we not only teach swim lessons and give them the money, but we make sure it's affordable for every family in the area. So um, I think in the past 10, 12 years, we've donated over $3 million dollars to local teams just going towards swim lessons. So it's it's a lot of money going towards young kids and families that maybe wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise. Um, so we're, we're doing our best to get all of our money throughout the entire country um, to really make sure that they know how to have that lifelong skill of knowing how to swim. $3 million, that's really, really impressive actually. Well done with that. Well, as I mentioned at the front part of the show, you're one of the newest members of the board for the USA Swimming Foundation. So what are three things you hope to accomplish as a board member of the board for the USA Swimming Foundation? If I could accomplish like everything, such a long list. Um, get as close to possible, um, close as possible to teaching every single kid how to swim. Um, I don't know how feasible that is, but you know, you're never going to know how big you can go unless you dream that big. So I think that's one of the things um, we have incredible donors, and I think that one thing we can improve upon is connecting with our donors because our donors not only help that Make a Splash initiative of teaching kids how to swim, but they also help people like me and our national teamers. Um, swimming's an expensive sport. We have to travel a lot for meets. There's not really many big meets in the United States, so a lot of that money goes to us in order for travel and food and training. Um, so if we could connect more with those donors and let them know where their money is going and how much we appreciate it, I think that would be awesome. Um, and just to keep keep that funding coming in and those donations coming in, I, you know, it starts with a very small seed, and that small seed is the younger swimmers learning how to swim. And it grows into something much bigger, um, and you can become an Olympian with the skill. So it's, it's starting small, and you get to end up as a champion, and, and that's sort of our mission as the USA Swimming Foundation. Um, saving lives and building champions. So I think those are those are three things that I would love to accomplish with, in my time working with them, but um, I think they're definitely feasible. Oh, those are great goals. I really, I like those. And so as you think about um, fundraising, and I know you're new to the board, so this may be something more you're, you're hoping to do, but typically where do you get most of your funding? Who are the funding sources for the USA Swimming Foundation? Okay, so typically our funders are mostly they're people that are in the sport. They are either past Olympians, um, or just people that are huge fans of the sport. And although that is amazing, we would love to grow our base of um, donors and funders because, like I said, it is a lifelong skill that you can have. Like, you don't have to be an Olympic swimmer. 
to appreciate having the skill to know how to swim. Um, and so that, I think that's one thing that we're trying to do with our branding and just getting every, every single person in the community, whether your child wants to be a baseball player or a football player, you still need to know how to swim because at some point in your life, you're going to be exposed to being near a pool or an ocean or a lake or something like that. And so we're, we're trying to bring the entire world together, which is what I love, um, to, to be, basically work towards one goal, and that's getting everybody to be water safe. I love it. That's great. Well, as you think about now nonprofits in general, um, what do you feel like are some of the most common barriers to creating a successful and sustainable nonprofit? I think to have a sustainable and successful nonprofit, um, you have to have those donors and that volunteer base. Um, none of the events that we hold would go on without our volunteers. We would never have money to give to these club teams without our donors and without the fundraisers. Um, so I think having that is absolutely key. Um, and you need to have a need for your organization. Everybody needs to know how to swim. Everybody should know how to swim. Um, health and wellness and knowing how to swim, that's something that will never be outdated. And it's something that as a human race, we all need in order to thrive in life and be safe. Um, and then I think having a mission statement, having a purpose is huge. Um, our mission statement, like I said earlier, saving lives and building champions. Short, sweet, to the point. We know what we need to do. We need to get these kids water safe. And then in turn, whether they become an Olympian or not, that's not really the goal, but at least we're giving the skill set to be able to maybe possibly one day become an Olympian. And that's every little swimmer's goal. I remember when I was little, all I wanted to do was be on the Olympic podium. And so for me to say that I've accomplished that is huge and, and anybody can do it, but it starts small. Um, so I think, we're getting the ball rolling, and um, hopefully we can we can make this all happen. Well, I really like you emphasize the dual purpose uh, for the Swimming Foundation because I think it's true. I think a lot of people think, oh, the Swimming Foundation is all about building champions and that second part of your mission statement. But you actually have a really critical role of saving lives, of teaching people how to swim. Because like I said, you said earlier very well, uh, sadly, a lot of people don't know how to swim and that could become a very serious situation in terms of safety. So how do you balance those two? My guess is in any uh, nonprofit organization, um, you know, those two purposes could compete with each other, if you will. How do you balance the two approaches? What are you seeking to do maybe as a board member to make sure it's not all about building champions or it's not just all about saving lives either? How do you bring those two together? It is a little bit difficult to balance, absolutely. Um, but And you sort of have to use one off the other. So obviously the Olympians are the ones that are going to be the big names that people are drawn to. Um, so we hold an event every single year. It's called the Golden Goggles. It's sort of a playoff of the Golden Globes. And we celebrate the national team of that previous year. Um, and we give out awards, male and female athlete of the year, um, race of the year, stuff like that. And so we try to use those big names to bring in donors um, that will donate to the saving lives part. Because everybody wants to, to, you know, cross paths with Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky and all these big names. And so we sort of use our national team members and their success in order to help the other side of it, the saving lives part of it, part of it that isn't as glamorous um, and as well known. And so, what we do at this event, um, we'll auction off swim clinics or signed caps and goggles and suits and stuff like that. And we we'll use all those donations that we get by bringing in people to see Michael Phelps and stuff, and we use those towards the saving lives part of our foundation. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit of using each other, um, but I do think that sometimes the saving lives part can maybe go astray because that's not, like I said, the glamorous side. It's not the one that people hear about every day. 
um, you, you hear about all of the big names during the Olympics. So we sort of have to use those national team athletes to help bring in those saving lives people that are going to donate to that cause. Um, but I think, I think the two will mutually be able to work together, and I think they both um, complement each other really well. Well done. And as you think about healthy traits that form a nonprofit, what are those key healthy traits that you found make successful nonprofits? I think, you know, with any organization really is knowing what your end goal is and what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, who are you catering to and how can you make it accessible? So we're trying to cater to kids. We're trying to cater to families um, that maybe be underprivileged. Maybe you're underprivileged. Um, so we want to provide as much money and funding to them as possible in order to get them, in order to save their lives and to get them in the pool, um, which will hopefully in turn turn them into Olympians and being the future of USA Swimming. Um, I think another huge thing for a nonprofit or any organization, again, would be being passionate about the cause. I think if you are fully invested about, you know, I'm fully invested in swimming. I know a lot about it. I'm very passionate about it. Um, you know, the reason that we all swim isn't to become an Olympian. It's to know how to be water safe. That is how I started swimming. That is how Missy Franklin started swimming. Um, so I think if you don't really know anything and are not familiar with the sport and the cause, it, it's not going to be a successful organization. And then I think in any team environment and organization environment, you need to be working with people that inspire you and can give their whole entire self to that cause. Um, like I said, it's it's something that's way bigger than yourself. We're trying to cater to the entire country and world. Um, and so you sort of have to take your ego down and realize that, yes, I am part of the board of directors, but we're working towards one thing that's way bigger than ourselves, and it will make the world a better place. Um, so I think those are, those are three things that definitely help. There's obviously more, but um, for me, that's what I've noticed in my swimming career and working on the foundation. Um, those are the things that really, really are the keys to success. Well said. And I think I pick up on a little bit that focus on passion and the fact that you were so passionate and many of the, of course, Olympians that go to that next level are just filled with passion for their sport, for excellence, for winning. Um, how does that translate, say, to a regular nonprofit leader who maybe doesn't have quite that Olympic level, but would like to maybe really make their nonprofit the best uh, possible nonprofit they can uh, be? What would you encourage that nonprofit to do to really up their game, so to speak, and up their uh, passion level so that they can have the desire and the ability to really draw more people uh, to get involved with their nonprofit? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Like, you don't have to be an Olympic swimmer to be passionate about swimming, or you don't need to be the best at what you do in order to be passionate about something. And I think that's what, that's what makes the world go around. I mean, this entire organization isn't based off of Olympic swimmers like me. We have people that just love the sport and people that are passionate about it. And I think the more good people you can bring in, the better your company and your organization is going to be because at the end of the day, you are helping people. A nonprofit is not to profit yourself. It's to profit the entire human race. And so I think if you're able to find people that maybe, you know, they don't have to be an Olympian or the best, like I said, but just really have that fire inside of them, to make the world a better place and to to really just see that end goal and feel like you're going to be able to reach it. Because I think once you start envisioning what is possible and how far you can, you know, reach for the moon. Because if you don't, you're still going to end up going pretty far. Um, and so I think having that end goal in sight and really thinking to yourself, you know, in my case, wow, 
maybe we really can get the entire child population of the United States and the world to know how to swim. And, you know, obviously it is hard to do that, but just even thinking about that gets me excited and makes me want to work towards that goal. Um, and we're willing to do that with anybody and everybody who's willing to help. Um, so I think just finding the right people and looking at that end goal is something that's huge. Well, it definitely appears to me that the USA Swimming Foundation is a successful nonprofit. They're moving forward. They've got people like you on their board that are moving forward with vision and passion. Is there another example or two, perhaps, of another nonprofit that comes to your mind that's very successful, that incorporates a lot of the same things that you're doing at the Swimming Foundation? Uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be even a sports-related nonprofit, but what are those nonprofits or a nonprofit that really stand out to you that are doing a good job with all the things you've mentioned? I went to a Women's Sports Foundation conference in New York City in um, October, and the entire nonprofit organization was um, getting girls into sports because I feel like it is, it is such a male-dominated industry. And, and yes, we, we do have dominant figures like Serena Williams helping us out and Katie Ledecky and stuff like that, but this entire organization was providing um, underprivileged girls in communities the opportunity to play sports because I feel like in those communities they're not they're not really set up to succeed in sports. Um, that is just not what's part of that culture. And I'm blanking on the name of the non the nonprofit. I feel so bad right now, but it was just amazing what they were doing. And it wasn't just swimming. You know, they were giving these girls field hockey lessons and lacrosse lessons and even football lessons um, just to you know help them grow into and let them discover who they're going to be. Um, and whether you're a girl or a boy, when you're a child, you don't know what you're going to be. So having people being able to provide you with the chance to maybe figure out what you're going to be, whether it's a musician or an athlete or an actress, whatever it is, having that chance to discover yourself is huge. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up that nonprofit and get back to you on that. Um, I feel bad that I forgot the name, but it was just so inspiring how they set up everything and how they're really trying to make a difference in the world. And I think... Every single nonprofit is making a difference, and, and they're amazing organizations to be a part of, and I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to work with the USA Swimming Foundation, absolutely. Well, I love hearing your passion and your energy and excitement. It comes through very well in this podcast, and I'm sure that's uh, served you so well as an Olympian. Uh, those who are listening, again, the, our guest today has been Elizabeth Beisel. Uh, she's a three-time Olympian, and she was the 2016 U.S. Swim Team captain. Uh, so if people want to find out more about the USA Swimming Foundation or more about you, where would you send them? Oh, okay. So you can go to usaswimming.org, um, and there's also a USA Swimming Foundation little tab on usaswimming.org. And not only on USA Swimming can you find national team bios like me and Michael Phelps and stuff, but you can also see that philanthropic side of the USA Swimming Foundation. Um, super easy, just one website, a couple clicks away, and you're well on your way to helping a child learn how to swim. That's fantastic. Elizabeth, this has been so fun to hear more about your story, how you got involved, and what your passion and vision is for the USA Swimming Foundation. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.